Well, hello, grandkids. Grandpa here from Grandpa's Tales of Terror again. Today's tale is entitled Deviled Eggs, the final chapter. So close your eyes and let your imagination carry you into a world of fear and horror. And even when the story's over, make sure you keep listening. (laughs) Roger walked into his house, greeted by his children and the remaining survivors of Meredith's deviled eggs fiasco. Jamie and Drew helped him to the couch, his son and daughter sitting beside him. Drew poured him a scotch, a healthy one, then raised his glass along with everyone else there to toast Roger for the sacrifice that he made and his recovery. Roger took a big sip, then thanked everyone in the parts that they played. Roger's daughter and son then went for a sleepover with other children that were there to David and Dee's house. The children were being looked after by David and Dee's children, who were in their teens. Once the children had left, everyone went outside into the backyard. David was an avid barbecuer. He enjoyed it so much he built his own custom-made smoker-slash-barbecue that could do a whole hog, or in this case, Meredith. While Roger was hospitalized, David and Dee kept Meredith alive till he was able to come home. David and Dee's children were away visiting their grandparents for a while. As they all stood around the barbecue, Roger said his goodbyes to Meredith and told her that he loved her, but didn't understand what happened to her to turn into a monster. Drew handed Roger the book, who then placed it in the barbecue with Meredith. He nodded to David, who then opened the dual propane tanks. He turned the gas knobs on, then hit the igniter. Once the flame was going, David closed and padlocked the lid shut, then turned the knobs on too high. There were several propane tanks full and ready to be swapped in for the empty ones. Dee asked Roger what he was going to do next. Roger stated that he and the children were going to sell the house and move to another city to start over. His daughter, if it hadn't been for her, nobody would be standing here to talk about it. He continued that she was showing no signs of any psychological trauma so far and that moving would be a good thing to get away from the memories and the horror that had taken place. Jamie called out to everyone that the snacks and appetizers were out. He also said that there were no deviled eggs this time. (laughs) Everyone laughed, and then Sydney, one of the neighbors again, mentioned that maybe they should have a moment of silence for those that perished and were not here today to be with them because of Meredith. Here, here. The music was turned on, people were talking, laughing, and having a good time. It was mentioned through the course of the party that the houses that belonged to Frank and Jan, Angie and Blake, Kathy and Jonah had been sold. New people would be moving into the neighborhood, hopefully to bring about a fresh start and beginning to those who remained like Jamie and Drew. 
The party continued for several hours. Pizza had been ordered, and nobody really was in a hurry to leave. Some say it was the best get-together yet. Oh, poor Meredith. No beauty products would be able to help her now. Moving on, are you the type to wonder and ask, who did Jamie text? Who texted back? What did Roger mean when he thanked everyone for the parts they played? Well, these questions will be answered in what I'm calling Deviled Eggs Flashback. Coming up right now. <laughs> When Jamie and Drew felt they had enough information gathered on what was causing the deaths in the neighborhood, the only question was, how do they approach Roger and tell him that Meredith is guilty somehow for the killings? He knows about Roswell being killed and UFO shot by the police. The two of them thought that surely he would listen to them. When Meredith left the house to go to the gym, that's when Jamie and Drew talked to Roger. Roger sat at the kitchen table and listened to everything the two of them had to say. He sat there in silence, not saying a word. When they were done, Jamie and Drew weren't sure what to think. Roger looked at both of them, got up from the table, went to the fridge, and pulled out three beers, opened them, handed them each one, sat back down at the table and had a long pull on the bottle. Roger then spoke, telling them that he wasn't sure if he believed them, but over the last couple of years, he noticed things about Meredith that he couldn't explain. He continued saying that he knew his wife's body pretty well. Where there used to be cellulose, gone. Wrinkles had disappeared, Spots you get when you age were magically rubbed off. Rogers stated that he was 47, knowing that signs on him were showing that he was getting older, but Meredith was getting younger. He continued that when he came home from work one day, he took a shower. Shortly after getting in, Meredith joined him. He left out details, of course, but looking at her, he and perky. Something was going on. Roger told them he would keep his eyes open for anything strange. And not too long after their meeting, Roger found the book. The proof needed that Meredith was the cause of the killings. He contacted Jamie and Drew, and the three of them decided that those who were still alive should be told. A meeting was held and unanimously Everyone joined in to take down Meredith. Nobody wanted to die because of her. A plan was created. However, no one expected Meredith to fight back. Roger had insisted that if something was to happen, since he was the one to hit her with the hammer, to stick with the plan, no matter the outcome. When the daughter finished what Roger had tried to do, the plan moved forward. Jamie texted a message stating that it's a go. David and his wife Dee were on the other end of the message, waiting. 
Once they received it, both of them showed up in less than a minute. They had been waiting in their vehicle, just parked down the street. David got out of the car and knocked on the front door. Jamie let him in. Meredith was tied up with zip ties lying on the dining room floor. David saw Drew hugging the oldest daughter with the hammer in his hand. Jamie and David carried Meredith to her vehicle parked in the driveway. After putting her into the hatch, David jumped into the front seat and drove to their house with Dee in their vehicle behind him. Dee pulled into their driveway, but David pulled into the neighbor's driveway beside them. This was the driveway that belonged to Sydney and Hannah. Sydney was waiting to help David. When David pulled into the driveway, both men carried Meredith into David and Dee's house. When that was done, Sydney put Meredith's car into his garage and shut the overhead door. Eventually, Sydney and Hannah drove Meredith's car to a very far location and lit it on fire. However, during the time they had the car, they repainted it a different color and put it on different license plates, not to arouse suspicion or have it noticed by police. The only thing left was to make sure that if and when the police canvassed the neighborhood looking for witnesses and information that all involved had their stories straight. And the rest is history.